This is Wetlock, my true unscripted chronicles as a prison wife. Join me on my journey as I bring you crazy stories, informative facts, updates on my husband, advice from my family and friends, and special guests giving their true life stories on the prison system. This is not your average love story. Welcome to Wetlock. guys welcome to episode nine today i want to jump into my topic of the day which is the family dynamic um this is something i really wanted to tap into especially dealing with my situation with my dad a lot of things as i said before due to a lot of emotional grief that i was going through I was unable to take care of and handle so my my um power so to speak was designated to my aunt um Nana at the time and due to the fact that she basically was considered the family matriarch she pretty much made all the decisions when it came down to um my dad and i wanted to share some information with you guys just to become an aid in case you are trying to figure out how this family dynamic works when it comes to who has to say so if you're possibly going through something similar and you're looking, you know, for a reference to lean back on to try to figure out how to maneuver in a situation like mine. Um, and also having a husband incarcerated, um, you also need to make sure that you understand your rights in a situation, um, if something was to happen or if it's just something that needs to be done on his behalf, there's a lot of um, confusion when it comes down to how this dynamic actually works. And again, due to what I personally went through with my dad, there, thankfully, thankfully, um, I didn't have to go through a lot within my family. Um, my aunt, again, as I stated, pretty much was the matriarch of the family. So she took care of everything. But I do want to emphasize that that still has to be something that is voted on and legally put down that this this is the person that will be the one to make all of the decisions, kind of like a power of attorney. But... I will jump into that um, later on in this topic. So before I get into all of that, I wanted to jump into a few Bible verses, okay? So my first one is Proverbs 18, 22. He, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. My next one is Genesis 2, 22 through 24. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She said, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, Georgia law, because we're in Georgia and I'm only going to speak on Georgia law right now. Georgia law versus bloodline. Georgia law trumps the bloodline. Now, Next of kin and immediate family sometimes get confused. 
when people think of immediate family, they think of the household. They think of mom, dad, sister, and brother. So a lot of times when you hear immediate family, you think of your immediate family you grew up with, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, um, things of that nature. But once someone steps outside and creates their own household, that then becomes their immediate household, meaning like myself if i i step out i get married my immediate household becomes me my husband and you know if we have children our children it does not consist of my parents and my siblings anymore because i have stepped out and created my own household now if in fact that household doesn't exist anymore meaning that people are deceased or divorced or anything like that it goes back into my original household, which would be my parents um, and my siblings. But it is totally different when it comes to next of kin. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there's a lot of sketchy, sketchy areas when it comes to these type of situations. Now, as Georgia law goes, if anything is to happen to um, a loved one, like your husband, so to speak, or we'll just say like my dad, the next akin is where things get confused um, in these type of situations. For my dad, my dad was married to my mother, divorced my mother, and married someone else. When my dad passed away, my dad was legally divorced. When there is no spouse, either living spouse or or the spouse is divorced, that spouse is not considered next of kin. But if there is a living spouse, that spouse is considered next of kin again. When my dad passed away, had my dad would have still been married, his next of kin would have been his wife. Another example, I would be considered next of kin to my husband. Now, when my dad passed away, my dad was divorced. The next of kin would have been myself, his child, his oldest living child. After me would have been my brother. Now, again, another sketchy area. The next of kin, when it comes to children, they have to be 18 years old and they have to be of sound and mind. So, again, I would be considered my dad's next of kin because I am his oldest child. After that, it would have been my brother. Being that we're both sound of mind, we would have had to make decisions we would have been the ones that would have been communicated to if the if in the event that there's no living spouse or if they um are still married now after that comes the parents um that's when the bloodline kicks in so after the wife and the children, the bloodline kicks in and that's when it becomes the parents or the sibling. If they're still living parents, those would be considered third in line as far as next of kin. Long as parents are sound mind and body, they would be the next in line. If not, it would be the siblings. So for example, my brother is married. If something was to happen to my brother, I am not considered next to kin. It would be his children. Being that his children are under 18 years old, it would actually be my mother. If not my mother, then it would be me. And I know that sounds crazy, guys. I mean, as a, as a sister, like seriously, I have no rights to my brother, even though that's my brother. Um, and again, it would be consider my immediate family when we were in a household together um the georgia code uh the georgia law code uh 31 21 7 outlines who can implement 
um, final dispositions. And it also ranks the order, the exact order of kinship or relationship. Again, they must be 18 of sound and mind, a uh, uh, sound of, of mind. Divorced spouses do not have rights for disposition. And sometimes that's confusing too, because people think if there is a child involved, they have some rights, but they do not. The child does if the child is 18. Um, mentally impaired does not have the right. So again, if it's a sibling, if it's a, um, child, if it's a parent, anything, anything outside of sound and mind, um, does not have the right at all. So again, we're going to run it one more time. Surviving spouse children and descendants parents siblings and grandparents adopted kids legally adopted kids are treated as natural born children so if you have adopted siblings or your spouse has adopted siblings within a previous situation previous marriage or however it goes they are considered just as your natural born children which means that they also fall into the next of kin um under a living spouse um Next again, when it comes to next again versus power of attorney, that is also another um another sketchy another sketchy area that gets confusing. Power of attorney is basically an instrument. It's an instrument, guys. It is basically there for legal meaning um It allows it allows someone to appoint uh, someone who will be um, like an attorney, in fact, to manage your affairs um, when you're unable to. It's essential to note that the power of attorney is a flexible legal instrument. Of course, it's a critical tool for someone who can't make decisions for him or herself um, due to death or long-term mental illness or physical health crisis of that nature. Um, and it also can require assistance in complex legal arrangements, um, even day-to-day affairs. For instance, it allows people to grant authority to individuals to represent them in uh, financial or legal or business areas when they are away or lack um, certain skills our knowledge required so again um that is also a, a a sketchy a sketchy situation next again has technically technically has no legal powers rights or responsibilities so again that's when you kind of get into a confusing state because a lot of people say you know oh well this is my power of attorney and different things like that before my dad passed away although i was his next again i was also his power of attorney meaning that anything legal anything that had to be taken care of although i still was the next of kin i still had the rights to make decisions on his behalf when it came to his money and different things like that so a lot of times we get the two confused and think okay well um next to Ken will trump power of attorney our power of attorney will trump next to Ken. power of attorney is a legal instrument it is used for legality situations um it has nothing to do with the actual family dynamic so um like i said if there is a confusion if you are possibly going through something where you know you're you're trying to figure out where do you stand um in the family dynamic 
where does these responsibilities go to who gets what say so that's pretty much the that's pretty much how it goes it 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 goes as far as spouse children parents siblings and then grandparents um and again immediate family is what we consider what is in our household once we are removed from that household everybody at that point has their own um immediate family um and again that is just that is what we hear when we think immediate family we we think about mommy daddy sister brother but again once we become adults and we move out and we move on um we create our own households and those are considered our immediate families and again guys this is something that you know i had to deal with when my dad passed away although again i was totally impaired emotionally and couldn't do a lot of things my brother was the next in line and due to us having um the matriarch of our family my aunt who dealt with everything that had to do with cemetery plots all the funeral arrangements this was something that was set in place even before me and my brother were actually born that was the person that was designated for those type of responsibilities but again had it would have been a legal situation or a legal battle um my grandparents would have been the next in line outside of my parents but my grandparents are all deceased so it would have been my actual aunt anyway because as I said before after you go down from the spouse to the children um that's when the bloodline kicks in and you have to find the next surviving relative within that bloodline so I hope um you know I was able to break that down for you guys and for you guys to kind of get a bit of an understanding and again that's just something that I wanted to touch on because I dealt with that you know when my dad passed away my dad's ex-wife I don't know kind of thought that she had some kind of authority or something because she was um she was married to him last but she did not she was an ex-wife and i pretty much trumped everything that she tried to do but because i was unable to um my best interest was taken up through my aunt and everything that i wanted to trump she trumped for me so um it can get a little messy guys it really can get a little messy and you have to unfortunately um the law is going to trump whatever. So a lot of times, you know, when these situations pop up, a lot of emotions get thrown all over the place. You know, a lot of feelings get hurt. You know, a lot of drama starts happening. And again, due to the fact that I am drama free and I do not dwell in the drama, I am the type of person that will just sit back and let the law do what it's supposed to do. Um, I'm not a person who feels as though I have to explain myself or give explanations. Again, I let paperwork and facts do all of that for me. And that's just how I am, guys. So, again, I hope that um, I gave some type of clarity to, uh, to the situation. And, again, you can always look up all of these facts. If you doubt it, if you think... I don't know what I'm talking about or whatever the case may be. Everybody has Google on their phone, on their tablets and laptops or computers. So if you ever come into this type of situation, do your homework, get your paperwork right. Um, the best advice I can give you is to always make sure your paperwork is intact. Make sure your paperwork is intact. If something happens to you, make sure your spouse's paperwork is intact. You know, just make sure all your paperwork is together so that you won't have to go through a lot of this. Because one thing I do know for sure is that when people pass away or or get into situations where they're unable to make decisions for themselves or fend for themselves this is the time that it gets 
very, very messy. And another thing I am for sure about is you cannot fight what's legal. You cannot. So that was my topic of the day. Again, this is episode nine, guys. And I want to thank you guys for joining me today. And I hope that it is a very beautiful day for you guys. And um, we're going to move this thing along. story time guys so I was riding around yesterday and I was thinking about what was my story of the day going to be today and (laughs) I was sitting at the light and this guy crossed the street and it's like all white kind of dicky suit or something like that and (laughs) of course the idea popped into my head So, I told you guys that my wedding was planned. I had, you know, all my colors, my decorations, my centerpieces. I had everybody's outfit from the bridesmaids to the flower girls, the maid of honor, matron of honor. Everybody's outfits were planned out. Um... Down to the very deep, the shoes, everything. And I'm telling my husband, you know, what colors I want. My favorite color is red. So, of course, my my wedding colors were going to be um, red, red, black, and gold. Invitations, everything, guys. Detail for detail. So... He tells me, you know, he's like, okay, baby, you know, that's cool. You know, I love red and he loves gold. So we were in agreement of these colors. Now, what is so ironic is I think that a lot of people um, in his family, unfortunately, the passing of his brother and his nephew, um, red is something that is very significant in in their family um red is it seems to be that that color that has been used so it my colors had nothing to do with that but it was just ironic that my color was red as well due to you know that color being used for other um occasions and Um, he was okay with it. He was fine with the red, you know, and all this kind of stuff or whatever. But (laughs) when I tell you at first, he was like, let, I want our colors to be blue and white. And I'm like, why blue and white? Now, as a woman, you know, you know, we get real territorial when it comes to planning weddings. So I just kind of felt like, Oh, you don't get to choose no colors, but at the same time, I this is just not my wedding. So I knew that I had to talk to him about it and see, you know, well, what colors are you thinking? You know, are you okay with this and whatever? So at first he was stuck on his blue and white. And I kept saying, why blue and white? You know, I'm, I'm trying to find the significance in blue. I mean, I know blue is not his favorite color. So I'm like, why blue and white? This man tells me, first of all, his first choice of our wedding attire, he literally wanted me to get a custom-made dress with the prison dicky suit material, okay? And wanted numbers on the back, the, the jail numbers on the back, okay? And I was like, hell no. Hell no. Then he said, okay, well, you can just do whatever you want to do, whatever colors you want. 
I'm wearing a white tailored suit with the blue stripe going down the side. So as he's saying it, I'm like, white suit, blue stripe. Wait a minute. Are you talking about like the prison uniform? He's like, yeah, because marriage is a sentence. <laughs> you got to love this man, okay? Marriage is a sentence. So I was like, wait a minute, babe. Hold up. Now, I don't want you to be, you know, feeling like when we get married, like you're about to do time or something. And he's like, yeah, it's it's marriage is like doing time. It's a sentence. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, we kind of struggle. <laughs> we struggle in the beginning, guys, when we was really talking about getting married and planning a wedding because all jokes aside, my husband really did not understand or grasp the understanding of matrimony and, and really what it meant to actually be married and what marriage really meant. Although I stated that he was married before, um, he really had no understanding of, of actually the matrimony. Seriously, he really didn't. And he felt like marriage was doing time. And I was completely disturbed. I was disturbed behind that. I was so disturbed. I was like, listen, we don't, we don't have, we don't have to get married. We don't have to do this. You know what I'm saying? Because the last thing I wanted to do was have my marriage and my beautiful union with my husband to be (laughs) described as a freaking prison sentence. And I really had to kind of fall back um, and try to understand where was this coming from. And I had to also, you know, I I had to respect and understand my husband's thought process in this and and it became a situation where I really was like okay wait time out you know all jokes aside is this something you really want to do because is he really serious that he really feels like marriage is 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 compared to a prison sentence no way no how do I want to get into a situation with someone who is thinking of that and I have to be considerate of my husband's feelings so we had to kind of take a step back and I had to really understand like was this a joke or was this like how he seriously felt and within those discussions you know I I learned that my husband really didn't care about getting married and that's when everything kind of went on a pause for me because um marriage to me is very sacred it's a very beautiful thing it is a bond that you guys have where you know that this is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with this is the person you want to go through everything with this is the person that you want to wake up to you know so it had a different meaning and value to me due to the experiences that my husband had encountered in his past and his lifestyle. So I wanted to try to get on the same page with him. If we were going to really do this marriage thing um, wholeheartedly, I did not want to enter into a situation where he felt like I'm just doing this because this is what she wants to do. And it was several times that my husband really was saying, I mean, if this is something that you really want us to do, we can do this. And I had to stop him and tell him, no, no. At, at, at one point, I caught off being the, the marriage. I'm like, listen, we can just stick to girlfriend and boyfriend. We don't have to even do the fiance thing or the marriage thing or nothing because I did not want my husband to enter into a situation that he felt like he was obligated to do or he was just telling me something that he felt like I wanted to hear because I'm not that type of girl. You know, as a woman, I don't been through, you know, the up and downs and the, you know, person telling you want to hear you know been there done that in my 20s some of my 30s but at 40 plus years old I don't have to have any of that you know so I wanted to make sure that he was understanding you know how I felt and I wanted to make sure I understood how he felt and so his impression seriously of what marriage was was totally different from mine 
So, um, it took us, it took us some time. It took us some time to understand what each other wanted and, and how we looked at, you know, the, the entire marriage aspect. And, um, I was very, 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 very serious on making the point to my husband that I wanted him to marry me because that's what he wanted to do. If it was a fact that he wanted to do it because it's something that I wanted, I did not want to do that. And the reason, my main reason was because I didn't want it to ever become a situation where something happens, we fall out, we get into it, and then he tells me, only reason why I married you is because that's what you wanted. Um, and I know, ladies, we have had that that stuff thrown up in our face so many times. Um, whereas once everything is over, now it's our fault. Like, they did this all because this is what we wanted. So I didn't want to get myself into a situation like that. And I was unsure if that's what was actually going on. I still love my husband. We still was together. Like, I mean, again, like, this man brings me nothing but happiness so it wasn't a situation where I was upset or I felt some type of way I just wanted to be clear and to make sure that he understood um how I really felt about this and I didn't want to do something that he didn't want to do just because he felt like he wanted to make me happy making me happy would be that we share equally this same feeling and so as time went on I promise you guys and I know I've said this before I didn't have to put in any type of work with my husband. Like, everything just came naturally. Like, when it got to the point that he really realized and started feeling exactly how I start feeling about marriage, it just happened. It happened on its own. My husband took the time to understand. He took the time to actually sit in his feelings about me. He took the time to understand, you know, what marriage really was. You know, he in his mind, he pretty much thought that marriage was like this super, super religious situation. And if you was not a person that was in the church or you was not a real religious person, that that was what marriage was about. And I had to explain to him, you know, even about the dynamic of the church, the actual building of the church, the religion. Um, I had to kind of explain to him, you know, what actually marriage represents between two people, you know, even all the way down to using a car dealership as an explanation, you know, I mean, not an explanation, but an example as you're test driving a car, you know, and, and, you know, you go on this lot. You have all these cars. These cars are the girl are 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 dating. These these cars represent dating. Then you find that one car. You know, you want to test drive. This is the car you think you want, but you want to test drive it. And I kind of use that as an example. As you know, this this is your 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 fiance. You know, this is the person that you saying, hey, I think I like this car. I think I want to purchase this car. I think this car is for me. And then you go into, this is the car I want. And I'm signing this paperwork for this car. And this is what it is. And this is becomes a marriage. So I kind of had to break down my understanding of what a marriage was. And once I did that, and I kind of just let it go. I'm a firm believer now at the age that I am. Really, you have to sometimes just let things go um, and they will fall where they're supposed to be. And again, I didn't have to put in any work. Once my husband really realized um, the love that he had for me and we got so much closer when we started talking about these things and talking about our wants and talking about our future and the things that we wanted to build on a lot of mistakes we made in the past we really start growing in between this process and the outcome became he wanted this marriage he wanted everything that came with being married and 
spending your the rest of your life with this person and this person being your best friend and this person being, you know, the person you cannot live without, the person you want to grow with, the person you want to get old with, experience everything with. Once he started understanding and feeling that, it was a no-brainer. And again, I didn't have to put in any kind of work at all. I really didn't. Um, and then we got back into the discussion of getting married. The interesting part about this, guys, was I was like, when you come home, we're just going to go to Vegas. My reasoning for wanting to get married in Vegas was one reason and one reason only. My dad is no longer here. The, my dad was who I wanted to walk me down the aisle. And if I could not have that, I was okay with that. There was no substitution, so I wanted to go to Vegas. Not that my brother couldn't do it or anything like that. My dad is no longer here. I didn't want a substitution. And he was okay. He was okay with Vegas. It was Vegas, and we were going to have a reception in Miami at the Versace Mansion. All these things and details was already planned out. Um... And then it became a thing where he was like, no, that's not good enough. I want to be able to show the world how much I love you. So we got to do this right. We got to do this big. We got to do this big. We got, we got to, I need the world to see. I need the world to see. So my husband actually became a groomzilla. <laughs> like... I was on some simple, let's go to Vegas. He was on, no, we're going to do this. We're going to have this. We're going to have this for the reception. You know, he want to get artists to come perform. Like, my husband's trying to spend a good, you know, half a million dollars or something on the wedding. And I'm like, now, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because if you push this button and activate me <laughs> i'm gonna be times 1000 and it's a goal and i'm gonna start planning this thing exactly how you want it to be big and that's what he wanted and so that's when all the planning came into with the colors and the location and you know the reception and me having three dresses and just all this stuff guys it was i mean we had fun doing it now i at one point i was like baby i know you get tired of me emailing you because again again guys i can't he's not here i couldn't show him pictures so i was flooding that email with um wedding shoes wedding colors wedding decorations wedding invitations and i want i was like baby i know you tired i know you probably like i know this girl is not sending me more stuff because that's the only way that hey we could plan and um he loved everything i was choosing he loved everything i was choosing and in the midst of all of that, I don't know. Like, I'm telling you, he turned into Groomzilla. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Well, let's try to do this and let's do this and let's try to do this. So it went from something being really simple, you know, to... Because we were going to definitely wait. We weren't going to do, like, the whole um, uh, uh, um, um, prison wedding thing or anything like that. But, guys, it just came to a point that one day my husband woke up and was like, you know what? I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. Let's do this now. And um, so, you know, hey, that's how I became his wife. But again, that is another episode. But my husband wanted a prison wedding. <laughs> like, he wanted a prison wedding. He wanted the dicky suits dress i mean he was like oh yeah i want you to get this tailored dress then he started talking about the dicky colors and the numbers on the back oh my god guys i was like okay i told y'all my husband was ratchet the ratchetness had kicked in and once i said no to that then it was like okay well just plan it how you ever you want to plan it but i'm wearing this white tailored suit with this damn blue stripe down the side and I had to call my best friend. I had to call his niece again. This is, an, this is another time where I had to insert her in the middle. And I had to tell her, um, do you know that your uncle is talking about getting married in a white suit with the stripe down the side? And she was like, uncle, hell no. Like, 
You done already did the prison wedding thing. We not doing that. Like, we are not doing that. So, it wasn't just me that thought he had done lost his damn mind with this damn uh, white suit and this blue stripe down the middle because he felt like marriage is a prison sentence. But we got past that another <laughs> another growing pain for us. We definitely got past it and... You know, it was just something we had to go through. But within that, I'm glad it happened that way because we were able to understand each other on a whole different level when it came to marriage. We were able to study, talk about marriage, and we did study. We studied, we read stuff, I read stuff to him. We really did our homework. We did our homework and um, we both got a better understanding of it. And therefore, something wonderful came out of his color and outfit choices um for our wedding <laughs> but guys oh my god that is my story of the day i'm telling y'all do not let these men make these clothes decisions guys because i mean oh my lord i really I, i'm telling you i really was like yeah we just gonna do this in vegas because he tripping. I am not. I would not disrespect my family name, my legacy, or nothing, and put on a damn tailor-made dicky suit with the numbers on the back, child, or allow my husband to come down the aisle with some tailor-made U.S. Department of Corrections tuxedo. No way, no how. But that is my story of the day, guys. <laughs> Don't go for the wood nickel on this one. <laughs> Episode 9, guys. Thanks for joining me. It is time for the meme of the day. A prison wife. The story of a queen who kept her vows to her king. Vows that held more value than any wedding ring. And that guys is a true story that is my story and if you want to catch the meme of the day they are posted on the social media pages instagram is wetlock chronicles podcast and twitter is wetlock podcast thank you again guys for joining me on this journey this is episode Nine, and we are going to jump into my favorite part of all the episodes. Well, guys, my husband hopefully is okay. I have not talked to my husband since my birthday. Um, there has been a nationwide federal lockdown for the federal prisons. So I have not heard from him. I have not heard from him actually since um, the day after my birthday. So that was the 30th. I haven't heard from him since the 30th. And of course, at first I was freaking out because I hadn't heard from him. And you guys know, already know, we don't even have to go through it, how I feel when I do not talk to my husband. But, um, I end up reaching, I end up reaching out to my best friend and asked her, has she heard from him? Because it was definitely like all day I had been trying not, trying not to panic. Um, but I knew at a certain point, um, in time, once I didn't hear from him, um, via email, because again, I told you he ran out of minutes and they don't. Um, restart until I think like the eighth or ninth or something like that. I I I knew something was up, so I even I text her, and she hadn't heard from him, and so I don't know what triggered her, but probably the same thing that triggered me. Like, okay, this is this is out of the ordinary or whatever. But about three something that morning, she sent me a um article that said that the prisons were on a nationwide lockdown and that kind of explained what was going on. And although I read it like halfway through my sleep, 
um, I felt a little bit better. But when I woke up the next morning, I went on and Googled again, you know, just to see like how long was this lockdown going to be? Were they still on lockdown? And that's when I pretty much um, read the article about what was actually going on. So as of right now, I have not heard from my husband. I believe the lockdown is still going on. And, you know, guys, I I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it because my husband now at this point has been on a 23-hour lockdown since he left his holding facility. Atlanta, he was on a lockdown, but when with Atlanta, he was he wasn't able to come out but every two days. So that was difficult. And I expressed that in probably episode one through five, I believe. Um he was coming out every two days. Um once he got transferred to the actual facility where he was supposed to be doing his time, it lightened up a little bit. You know, he was able to communicate you know, once a day, but it was still 23 hours, 45 minutes out for him to email call, you know, and get those little couple of minutes in, um, on the phone. So I can only imagine how my husband is feeling right now. Last week, he already was having a moment, just even dealing with the whole lockdown situation, um, that just pushed him, you know, to the edge. And now you got, these past two days almost going into three where they're they're on a lockdown and being on a lockdown and then having additional lockdown i mean it's just the bullshit is it's too much um at this point i'm just ready for my husband to come home i I just need for this time just go ahead and speed up going to warp zone or whatever it is to just get him home because I mean, this is crazy. Like, this is extremely crazy. So, again, um, I am praying that he's okay. I know he's okay. But, you know, as I said before in a previous episode, that solitary confinement, that lockdown um, situation just, it's very mental, you know, and... It just brings me concern, you know. I there's no way I can escape the feeling of concern at this point. So, guys, if you could please continue to keep my husband in your prayers, continue to keep him uplifted, um, so that you know he can get through this. Not just him, but every federal prison, a hundred and twenty. 20 prisons i believe are all on lockdown so um just keep them in your prayers guys and again thank you so much it is so appreciated by myself and my husband i cannot express um my gratitude to you guys so thank you again and that is the update on my amazing husband On today's A Serious Note Facts, we are going to talk about the nationwide federal lockdown that is going on right now in all 122 federal prisons. Federal prisons in the U.S. were placed on a nationwide lockdown after two inmates were killed at a federal penitentiary in Texas. The Associated Press says the inmates were killed during a fight at the prison in Belmont involving members of the violent MS-13 street gang. Two other inmates were hurt. The lockdown was ordered due to fears of potential retaliation and the possibility the violence could spread to other facilities. As of yesterday, the Independent reported that the lockdown still remains in effect, and that was as of Tuesday. The lockdown instituted at the agency's more than 120 federal prisons across the U.S. was prompted by fears of potential retaliation and concerned violence could spread through other facilities. During a nationwide lockdown, inmates are kept in their cells most of the day and visiting is canceled. Because of the spike in coronavirus cases in federal prisons, social visits at nearly every facility has been canceled already. 
The use of a nationwide lockdown is rarely, rarely used. The agency implemented the measure in April 2020 as coronavirus cases began skyrocketing in prisons nationwide, again after the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 26, 2021, and shortly before the inauguration of President Biden. Um, so again, this is something that is rarely used. And of course, you know, my biggest question has been why now? Why this actual street gang pose for such a swift, um, implement in locking all federal prisons down? As we all know, gang violence is everywhere in the prisons fight happens um every day so again um you know it, it comes to my mind is it something bigger why now so i did a little background research um just to give you guys some information on the actual ms13 gang which once i woke up the next morning um after my best friend sent me the original article from yahoo i was trying to figure out why like why why would this actual fight prompt such a lockdown when this lockdown was only used um rarely such as inauguration the insurrection um and um coronavirus covid uh, especially when, for me, my husband has already been experiencing the 23-hour lockdown coming out 45 minutes. This has been going on for him for almost two months. So to be on lockdown and go into another lockdown, um, I can only imagine, I can only imagine what the inmates right now are going through, what they are feeling. Again, violence, gang violence happens all the time, but I can only pray that this lockdown ceases soon um we want to hear from our loved ones we want to make sure our loved ones are okay um it is imperative that we know that they're okay not hearing from them is very concerning but also my main concern is the mental of all inmates that this affects um this is this is serious this is serious guys again i do not understand why now why this gang but again i did some background information on this actual gang for those who aren't familiar with it the ms-13 is an international criminal gang that originated in los angeles california in the 1970s and 80s originally the gang was set up to protect salvadoran immigrants from other gangs in los angeles over the time the gang grew into a more traditional criminal organization ms-13 is defined by its cruelty and its rivalry with the 18th street gang many ms-13 members are deported to el salvador after the close of the salvadorian civil war in 1992 are upon being arrested facilitating the spread of the gang to central america the gang is currently active in many parts of the continental united states canada mexico and central america most members are central american salvadorians in particular as an international gang its history is closely tied to united states el salvador relations in 2018 the gang's U.S. membership of up to 10,000 accounted for less than 1% of the 1.4 million gang members in the United States and a similar share of gang murders. The gang is often referred by the United States Republican Party to advocate for stricter immigration policies. I did a little research and tried to find a few cases um, to explain some of the murderous and brutality actions of this gang i found about 30 cases i'm not going to go into all 30 of them i will give you a few on july 13 2003 
A 17-year-old former MS-13 member turned informant was found stabbed to death on the banks of a river in Virginia. She was killed for informing the FBI about the MS-13's criminal activities. Two of her former friends were later convicted of the murder. In 2004, December 23rd, 2004, one of the most widely publicized MS-13 crimes in Central America occurred in Honduras. When a bus was intercepted and sprayed with automatic gunfire, assault rifles, killing 28 and wounding 14 civilian passengers, most of whom were women and children. MS-13 organized a massacre as a protest against the Honduran government for proposing a restoration of the death penalty in Honduras. Six gunmen ranked the bus with gunfire as passengers screamed and ducked. Another gunman climbed aboard executing passengers. In February 2007, Juan Carlos and Derwin Alexis were found guilty of several crimes, including murder and attempted murder. May 13, 2006, Smokey, a former high-ranking soldier and one of the founders of MS-13, was murdered at his home in El Salvador a few hours after declining to attend a party for a gang member who had just been released from prison. He had been studying law and working to keep children out of gangs. In... 2007, Julio Chavez, a Long Island, New York MS-13 member, allegedly murdered a man because he was wearing a red sweatshirt and mistaken him for a member of the Bloods gang, in which the Bloods are a rivalry of MS-13 along with the Latin Kings. On June 22, 2008, in San Francisco, California, a 20-year-old MS-13 gang member, Edwin Ramos, shot and killed a father, 48, and his two sons, 20 and 16, as they were returning home from a family barbecue. The car had briefly blocked Ramos from completing a left turn down a narrow street. Authorities believe the killing was in retaliation for a shooting of a MS-13 member earlier that day and that they, the son and the father were actually mistaken for gang members. In February 2009, authorities in Colorado and Colorado, Colorado and California arrested 20 members of MS-13 and seized 10 pounds of methamphetamines, 2.3 kilos of cocaine, a small amount of heroin, 12 firearms, and 3300 in cash. In November 4, 2009, El Salvadorian leaders of MS-13 gang allegedly put out a contract on a federal agent responsible for a crackdown in its New York fractions in the Daily News had learned. The plot to assassinate the unidentified immigration and, cust and customs informant agent was revealed in an arrest warrant for a gang member, Walter Duke Torres. Torres tipped authorities to the plan after he and four MS-313, I'm sorry, MS-13 members were stopped by NYPD detectives for hassling passengers and passersby on Northern Boulevard in Queens, New York. He told the police he had information to pass on. He was debriefed on October 22nd at Rikers Island, where he was being held on a warrant issued in Virginia. According to court papers, Torres said the order for the murder came from gang leadership in El Salvador. ICE agent Sean Sweeney wrote in an affidavit for a new warrant charging Torres with conspiracy. Um... It goes on to give a lot of different crimes um, involving MS-13 members. 
In August 2001, um, six San Francisco MS-13 members were convicted of racketeering and conspiracy, including three murders. Is what to be the city's largest scope gang trial in many years. Um, February 2012, a federal judge convicted three MS-13 gang members of murder. And October 16... Um, a young lady was murdered and kidnapped in Maryland by um, MS3, I'm sorry, MS13 members. This gang has cases all the way up into 2020. They have a few Long Island, New York cases uh, from two, from 2010s, um, 2010s. They are charged with child prostitution they have cases with terrorism charges they have developments in Spain of MS-13 violence and murders there was a 2021 Mac, um, MacArthur Park attacks which involved a transgender woman in Los Angeles. She was assaulted and stabbed at night in the park. And again, guys, um, this is just a small, small, small list of crimes that involve the MS-13 gang. And again, you know, gang violence happens all the time in, in these prisons and I can only go on what the media and the reports are saying. And that is the reason for this lockdown was to stop future violence from spreading throughout other prisons. Um, I am very aware that, you know, each prison has gangs. You have Bloods, you have Crips, you have Latin Kings, you have GDs, you have um, Aryan Brotherhood. So, these gangs do spread out from prison to prison. So I can only guess that this lockdown was to prevent from other deaths and injuries to happen. But again, fights, violence, killings, stabbings, all these things happen on a day-to-day -day basis in the federal and state prison system. So it's a wonder, is there something bigger than this? I do not know. Only thing that I can do is continue to check and update to see when this lockdown will be over. And I hope it will be over soon. Um, I personally probably would not know until I receive a message from my husband. And once he messages me, I will then know that the lockdown has been um, ceased. So, again, guys, all we can do is pray. All we can do is keep our fingers crossed. All we can do is just hope that our loved ones are okay and that we will hear from them soon. This just does not affect my husband. This affects a lot of other people and their loved ones that are incarcerated in the federal system so again as i stated before i will continue to give informative facts i will continue to bring you everything that i know as it comes to me outside of my journey outside of me chronicalizing you know my amazing love story between myself and my husband it is very imperative that i still bring you these facts so right now federal lockdown over all federal prisons is still standing um hopefully by my next episode episode 10 which will be live on sunday I can at least give the update that the lockdown is over. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode nine. I am one episode from episode 10. And I can't believe I 
almost at 10 episodes, guys. Outside of my three bonus episodes, these are my regular episodes and I am almost at episode 10. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in. I hope you continue to tune in. I hope you continue to join me on this journey and we will conclude on a serious note facts. Well, guys, this concludes our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were entertained. And most of all, I hope you will continue this journey with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, guys. As I stated in my previous episodes, as I continue this journey, I will get better. I promise to bring you good content to keep you entertained. Make sure to follow the show's social media. Instagram is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Twitter is Wetlock Podcast. If you want to submit questions, advice, or comment on the show, hit the message link in the show's description and I will respond on my bonus episode on Fridays. For brand promotions, if you want to join in on an episode, share a story, spread some knowledge, please email me. Please email me at wetlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Wetlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for being on this journey with me. I look forward to bringing you my next episode. So please stay safe, stay blessed, and welcome to Wetlock. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website, wetlockchronicles.com. Yay!